Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this show. When you're done listening, I hope you take a minute and write a quick review on whichever radio or podcast platform you've heard this show. Your insights will help others to be inspired and encouraged. I have a great show for you today. I'll help you learn to separate between what your emotions tell you and what your body says. I'll also be interviewing author and mindfulness expert, Aura Nadrich. Aura explains a concept of mindfulness and teaches you how to be your authentic self, regardless of what transpires around you. For more information about Aura, please visit auranadrich.com. Thank you so much for listening to Lifeology. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. Separating between what your emotions tell you and what your body says. In psychology, we teach that whatever you perceive to be true, in other words, what you focus on determines how you feel. Those feelings then determine how your body responds. It's so important to recognize how this works because if something affects you emotionally, then all of a sudden our body responds in kind. For example, in your mind's eye, you reflect on a time when someone offended you. You perceive that they disrespected you. That causes your feelings to then become enraged or very angry. And then your body responds either through arguing or through a physical altercation. And then unfortunately, there are negative consequences that can come from that. The reason why it's so important to recognize how our thoughts affect our emotions, which then affect our body, is because we often can miss out on so many things in life. If our perception about something is a little bit skewed, then usually our emotions and the outcome of that, based on how we show up in the world, it doesn't feel very good. So the way to separate between that is this. I often tell people is to create two scales for yourself. On a scale of one to 10, 10 is the best you feel about something, and one is the worst you feel about something. If you wake up in the morning and you think about all the negative things that have happened in your life, more than likely you're gonna stay in bed. So when you create these scales for yourself, on a scale of one to 10, how are my emotions right now? And if you think about what's happened around you, you may think, okay, well, this person said this, or this happened to me today, so I'm probably about a five right now. I'm feeling, I guess, okay. And then the other scale, on a scale of one to 10 as well, is how is your body physically feeling? If you wake up in the morning, and your emotions are telling you that it's gonna be a bad day, you will stay in bed all day. But what we don't realize is your body has so much more energy and can fulfill all the responsibilities it has to do that day. So on a scale of one to 10, you're feeling a five, but in your physical body, you feel like an eight. Well, if that's the case, then there's no reason to stay in bed all day because your body can physically do something. One of the many benefits about creating scales like this is you can start your day with recognizing where your emotions are and the physical output that your body can generate. And then you want to check in with yourself using these same scales, let's say around noon. Around lunchtime, when you check in with yourself, if you realize that your emotions are still low, well, then what happened between the first time you did it and the second time you did it? If you found that you're still holding on to something that someone said or did, then you have the self-responsibility to decide what you're going to do with it. Do you hold on to it until the next time you check in or do you let that go? And when you can recognize that your body still maintains a higher level of energy, you know that once again, you have the self-responsibility to make sure you accomplish all the goals that you have to do within the next period before your next check-in. Now, it makes sense if you woke up in the morning 
and you did these two scales and your body was physically at a two or a three, yes, then you would stay in bed because you physically can't do something. Conversely, that should not affect your emotions though. So if you stay in bed because you're ill, then your world perception would still be great. You'd still be able to laugh, to joke, to think on things that bring you happiness. That's why it's so important to realize that your emotions don't have to influence your body and your body doesn't have to influence your emotions. That's why it's so important to create these scales because the more often you can practice this, the more quickly you can let things go of things that may have caused you to not feel so good about yourself or about a certain situation. You'll instinctively know how to let something go because it doesn't affect you in this present moment. And the more awareness you have of how your physical body is able to fulfill all of its responsibilities, the more you won't allow your emotions to influence that part of your life. I have a fantastic interview today with Aura Nadrich. Aura helps you stay present in the moment and be your authentic self. I wanted to teach you this quick little tool of how to continually check in with yourself to make sure that your emotions aren't influencing your body and that your body isn't influencing your emotions. The more you can quickly reset and take control of your thoughts and your emotions, the more authentic you will be. So stay tuned. If you're anything like me, you love to read. Lifeology and Audible.com have partnered to offer you an incredible opportunity. Audible is offering you one free book download with a free 30-day trial. This is perfect for those of you who love to read but often don't have time to enjoy your favorite pastime. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to start your free trial. They have over 180,000 books from all genres, so I'm pretty confident your favorite author's books will be there. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible and start listening to your favorite book today. Once again, go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to get started today. My guest today is Ora Nadrich. She is the founder and president of the Institute for Transformational Thinking and author of Live True, A Mindfulness Guide to Authenticity. Welcome to my show, Ora. Hi, James. Thank you so much for having me. I am really looking forward to this. I was looking at your name and what a beautiful name, Ora. I've never heard that before. I know what it means in Spanish, but do you know what it means in general? Yes, I do. And thank you for, for saying that. Uh, Ora means light in gold in Hebrew. Oh, and wow. here, here I've had this name since I was born, obviously. And then one day someone said to me, do you know what your name means in Latin? Which oh. I did not know. And I said, no, I don't. And they said, your name in Latin means a prayer. Really? Oh, yeah, I guess that would be true. Oracion. Yeah, yeah that's how we say it in Spanish. Wow, that is really cool. Yeah. Interesting. So it's wonderful to have this name that I have to admit that when I was younger, it wasn't really sort of in vogue when sure. you're in elementary school <laughs> yeah. to have an unusual name, you know. But as I grew up, I felt very grateful mm-hmm. for my name and mm-hmm. still do. Well, even when I think about that, everything you teach and what you purport, it definitely aligns. Your name definitely aligns with everything that you've become and that you are becoming. Oh, thank you so much. That's, That's very, very kind. Of course. Did, how did you know that you wanted to be, I guess, go into the space of mindfulness and life coaching? Well, I can't say that it was a space that I was sort of cognizant of that I would be going into it. Although I look back at my life and, you know, I always ask those existential questions like, who are we? You know, who is the true essence, the authentic self? And I feel that even going back to childhood, I was always, you know, as much as I was an extrovert, I was also contemplative. I mean, Mm -hmm. I was writing 
writing contemplative poetry oh as a very young girl. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I used to love to lay in an open field of grass and just stare up in the sky, if you will, and watch the clouds, mm. which is very interesting because that's an actual mindfulness meditation. I was going to ask you that, yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's very much what we do in meditation is is that we are aware of our thoughts coming and going and not to get attached to our thoughts, but to think of them like clouds moving across the sky. So if you take all that, that's probably really my true nature, mm -hmm. if you will. But it wasn't until a family tragedy many, many years later, uh, one of my older sisters had a mental breakdown oh, and sorry. it really, yeah, it was, it was devastating. It was traumatizing. And uh, you know, my life really changed at that point. Mm -hmm. And I did not foresee the work that I would be doing today. But that event changed my life wow. profoundly. And really what it did is it set me on a course to really understand the workings of the mind. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I was an actress for 10 years. Mm. I was a screenwriter. Wow. But I yeah, I but I really felt that my true calling was to delve deeper into uh, who we are mm -hmm. and what makes us think the thoughts that we think, you know, especially after what had happened to my sister. Mm -hmm. I, you know, was very much um, very keen on, if you will, you know, how our thoughts really affect our lives. Mm -hmm. And in her case, how could she have been perfectly fine one day and then never the same again? Mm -hmm. So she's been my greatest inspiration, really. We honor her today in this interview. So we thank you. We thank have to you. thank her, of course, for putting you on the path that brought you here today. Yes. That's wonderful. Thank you, James. Thank you. As we know, through all through all tragedy, for whatever happened, of course, we'll respect the privacy of, of that event. But whatever happens, it does give us an opportunity at that crossroads. What do we do with this information? Do we allow it to, to hamper us or do we, do we use it as a legacy or to create something different? So out of all the ashes, as, as we know, comes beauty. And in this, you've created such a beautiful platform for many people to find their own way through stillness and peace. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I mean, I do believe that a lot of the things that happen on the life journey, good or painful, mm -hmm. really can be our greatest teachers. Do you know? And if we look at look upon them in that way, they can really help us on the life journey and they can help us evolve on the life journey. What I often think about as well, the imagery I use is when we look at a picture and we turn it into a puzzle, there's so many puzzle pieces and each life event, whether it's a bright, beautiful color or it's this dark drab color, whatever the, that puzzle piece may look like, when you put all those pieces together, it creates a beautiful image. And that image is you as you are today. And so when I, when I help people really conceptualize that to say this, this tragedy here, or this wonderful event here, all of those really coincide. And the only way they can merge together is when you allow them to be, doesn't mean you have to love it, hate it, whatever your feelings are attached to it is irrelevant. But when you bring it all together, it creates you. And that beautiful imagery, I think is so important because whatever event may have happened or didn't happen, it does allow you to be the true authentic self that you are. Absolutely. And I, you know, I like to use the analogy. I love the puzzle analogy that you're using. You know, I say, if you look at a box of Crayola crayons, every single color is in there, including black, brown, and gray. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not all pastels. It's, you know, yeah. life is a range. It's an array of colors and essences. And, you know, not every day is a sunny day. There are cloudy days. So I think all of it makes up for the tapestry mm -hmm. of life. Do you know? Yes.
I wanted to transition into mindfulness. There's so many buzzwords nowadays, and people say mindfulness or your bliss or your joy or whatever those words may be. Wonderful words that have always been around, of course, but sometimes they can be used in a way that people kind of don't really understand what they truly mean. So when you strip away all the buzzwords, what would, what would be your definition of mindfulness and authenticity? Well, mindfulness is the practice of being present. So mm -hmm. I like to use you know, examples in real time. And, and what I would use is that you and I are in this conversation together. Mm -hmm. And in order for us to be in this conversation, we have to show up for it and be present for it. Mm -hmm. Do you know, we're talking in real time. So that to me is the, you know, sort of the focal point of that. I am in this moment. I'm in, I'm present in this moment and I'm present in this moment with James. And who is the person that is showing up in this moment? Is it the authentic aura? Is it the aura that I really am? Or am I presenting myself as a particular persona mm -hmm. or an identity? Or am I, am I playing a role, you know, the woman that is showing up in the present moment with James right now? Mm -hmm. So you know, authenticity, the authentic self, if you will, and that's what my book Live True is about, is about the authentic self. Who is the true authentic self? The person that we present out into the world. When I, when I think of what you just said, I'm thinking of authenticity in a way of how can I be who I am as I am right now? How am I when I'm on TV? How am I when I'm an expert, quote, expert here, or quote, expert there? Is it going to be the same? One thing I would like for people to, maybe for you to expound on as well, is when we are our authentic self, how do we show up in a way that's authentic, but still have our boundaries, which we may present at certain times, but not at other times? Well, that's a really good question, because I think that Yes, you can show up as your authentic self in any given moment, in any circumstance that you're in, and you adjust to that in a in a way that feels authentic for you. Do you know what I mean? Sure. So if it, so, in a if in a particular situation or a circumstance, you want to present boundaries mm -hmm. because you feel that that supports your authentic self. Perfect. Then that's the way in which you interact. Do you know? I do believe the the authentic self is the real self that shows up in real time, and you can adjust it so that. Actually, what you're doing is you're refining your authentic mm -hmm. self in that moment. Do you I know? Agree. So in that, so I, the way I would clarify that for myself would be internally my authentic self and then circumstantially or situationally the authentic presentation of that. So I would see that twofold in, some, in, in a certain way. Beautiful. So, so well said. And it's exactly right. So the people can have an understanding that, you know, we can use that phrase, you know, life is full of compromises. You know, I understand that, mm -hmm. but, but, or concessions, we make concessions, if you will. But, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to undermine who you really are exactly. to meet somebody or to meet a situation halfway. Do you know, we mm -hmm. make those adjustments accordingly and we have to make them in accordance to our own comfort level of our authentic self, if you will. I really agree with that. You know, I was thinking as well as there may be two individuals speaking who may not may clash in multiple ways, but when you strip everything away and find the commonality, as far as we're both human beings, and in that, when you find that commonality, you can truly be an authentic human, and in that, that's how people can really join. So I think it's important when we don't look necessarily at the differences, but looking at the commonality creates that platform for a healthy conversation or a healthy dynamic. Absolutely. And even, James, in our differences mm -hmm. where mindfulness sure. is really key is that mindfulness really makes us aware 
of how are we interacting with this person that we may not disagree with? I mean, that we may disagree with, mm -hmm. do you know? Mm -hmm. That we are, we are mindfully aware of our discourse. We are mindfully aware if we are really speaking to somebody who maybe we don't agree with their opinions or they with ours, and that we have a level of respectfully mm -hmm. disagreeing, if you will. That's a real example of mindfulness. It's having the awareness of the way in which you are interacting with another person. When you look at the, the world today, and of course this is, the world's going to be different anytime anybody hears this show, of course, but there is such a, a, a disconnect with many individuals right now, and it's very sad in a lot of ways, and so I'm really hopeful that my listeners, as you hear or speak about mindfulness, to really incorporate what she just said, to recognize the differences, but also to respect the differences as well, because in that, that's the beauty of life, is there's going to be so many colors and so many flavors of, of belief systems, and in that, we can all still live in a unified way. I'm so glad that you said that because that's been very, for me, a very present mm -hmm. awareness sure. issue, if you will, in that we are living in an unprecedented time and the polarization has incre increased tenfold. So there's a lot of polarization because of the difference of opinions and beliefs mm -hmm. and the way in which we can really connect with one another mindfully is to be able to, again, disagree respectfully. Mm -hmm. And we're not seeing as much of that as I would like to see. I would like to see the fact that we can hold differing opinions, mm -hmm. beliefs, you know, and be able to share them with each other, to be able to widen our perceptions, if you will, that we can talk to somebody that has a differing opinion than us, and maybe we can learn from each other. We can, we can bring each other into a more heightened awareness of our judgments, mm -hmm. our biases, if you will. Exactly. You know, when I'm thinking about Socrates, we all know the philosopher Socrates. So he had what was called yes. the Socratic method. So the Socratic yes. method was you have a belief system, but the only way that belief system can really be true is it has to have an, an opposite, the opposite effect of it. So the way that he would have his students practice this would be someone would have a concept, Another person would have a, a disagreeing or an opposite concept, and they would discuss it. And with that discussion allowed for the first one or even the second one to actually be true. Because without its opposite, there is, it's, it's simply a concept. It's not a reality. And so that's important to realize that we have to have different viewpoints because that's what makes our belief system so true. Absolutely. What's, out, what's also interesting is in psychology... Obviously, that's my specialty. In psychology, we have what's called a dialectic. So a dialectic mm -hmm. is an offshoot of the, of the Socratic method. So a dialectic is a very fancy word, which basically means you can have two opposing things exist at the same time. So we, when we talk about that with emotions, a dialectic would be, I'm really sad at a funeral. I'm crying, my heart is broken. And in that moment, I think of a happy memory and I start laughing and I have so much joy, which is 100% true and 100% true that I'm also brokenhearted. So sometimes we forget the complexity of our, of our human self or complexity of situations that they, that they both can exist 100% and still be 100% true. And it doesn't have to be one, one or the other or and or or black and white system. So true. And I think, again, this is where we can bring mindfulness into the uh, picture here because it's having the awareness. Yes. You know, when you heighten your awareness, you are really more open, if you will. Mm -hmm. And when you're more open and aware, you're aware of your own thoughts, feelings, sensations, behaviors, actions, etc. And that you can hold those two, as you say, those two opposing energies, those two opposing thoughts, you can, whether it's within your own self, or it's with another human being, having the awareness that there is 
this opposition or a conflict, if you will, or a contradiction, mm -hmm. do you know, and that that's okay. It doesn't have to create dissent. It doesn't have to create, you know, um, exclusion. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to create a lot of the behaviors that I'm seeing, which is really people just um, more now than ever because of the polarization, people are unfriending each other. I know. It's, it's very interesting. I, I really like how you said this as well as there has to be a right opinion. Those are my words in my summary of what you said. But, it's, but that's so important because then I think about this internally because I want to transition to your book as well. Internally, Sometimes we don't have to have an answer to something. There doesn't have to be a reason why we feel something, a reason why we think something. It just is. And so yeah. when we put too much cognitive thought, in other words, too much of our, our internal mind's perception on something, which at the end of the day really doesn't matter, then we're, I don't want to say wasting, but we're squandering our ability to then focus on something that does matter. Focus on the, the memory of a beautiful person, the memory of, of something else, or what's in front of me right now. So I yes. do want my listeners to know that just because you have a thought doesn't mean you have to still think about that thought. <laughs> a thought is simply exactly. a thought <laughs> and it will leave yes. and it's often very fleeting as well. So sometimes exactly. it's, things just are without, they don't yes. have to have any meaning. Exactly. Yes. Transitioning to your book, Live True, A Mindfulness Guide to Authenticity. I love this book. When I was looking at looking through it, I love how it's broken down into 30 days. I love how concise it is. I think that's so important. Sometimes we often feel like we don't have enough time to do things, but your book is written in such a way that you have very concise work, you have the practice that someone can, can implement, and then from there, they're able to start their day. Tell me more about this. The Live True book or the Live True journal, because I know that they, the journal just came out after the book. Well, let's talk, about the, let's talk about both. So let's talk about the book and then the supplemental aspect of the journal. Right. The book, Live True, Mindfulness Guide to Authenticity, is really uh, geared towards, you know, again, going back to the authentic self, if you will. It's really a journey that's also um, ends with each chapter with a meditation and a note to self, which is sort of a pearl, a takeaway, if you will, mm -hmm. of what is the essence of this chapter that can help me stay focused on my true self. Self, the true nature of myself. And it is, it's an ongoing journey. It's an ongoing awareness, again, going back to the awareness factor of that you can really live each moment present, show up as the authentic self, and that it becomes the way in which you navigate the life journey, do you know, which mm -hmm. is the way in which I wrote it, basically. To, you know, to be able to gauge the authentic self journey, to be able to really be aware. And again, with mindfulness, one needs to know that this is something that you practice with acceptance and mm -hmm. non-judgment and are really kind to yourself about your own evolution, do you know? Yes. And that it really is a, dis it's a great discovery that we are really living our lives day to day with this ongoing discovery of self. I think so many times we try and live life as our optimal self. My optimal self may have shown up two years ago. And so today I'm gonna to focus on what is in front of me today. So my optimal self is sometimes something that's very unattainable for, for most of us, including myself. So let's live in our realistic self. So the acceptance of who I am in this moment is going to be all of my flaws, all of my strengths, all of my tiredness, all of my energy, whatever it may be. And I think when we can recognize that right this moment is who I am, it's not my optimal self, it's not my least optimal self, it's who I am today. So when we can remove those con constraints, it allows for us to fully accept every aspect of our life in this moment. And I really like how you focus on that as well as you help people accept the now, not accept what may be, but accept the now. 
Yes, you know, accepting the now is really key again, because, you know, that is part of the practice of mindfulness is to be in the present moment with total awareness, with non-judgment, acceptance, and self-love, which then extends outward to love of others, love of life, love of the world. And again, this can change day to day, course, you know, moment to moment. we don't know <laughs> moment to moment. Exactly right. Do you know? And that we have this awareness of how we are changing, moving, evolving, morphing, if mm -hmm. you will, mm -hmm. into, you know, like you said, the optimum self. And that is, again, held with non-judgment. Exactly. Because we are, I love the quote by Pierre Teilhard de Chardin, the French philosopher, mm -hmm. we are spiritual beings having a human experience. I love that. Yeah. That's beautiful. Beautifully said. Unfortunately, we only have a few more minutes. I can't believe our time just literally flew by. There's so much I want you to be able to showcase right now as far as all the things you're doing, where they can find your information, where they can purchase this book. So will you please tell my listeners, once again, where might they find all this information about you? The best place to find out about me, what I'm doing, and it's just chock full of a lot of things that I do, continue to do, and have done, is my website, auranadrich.com. Wonderful. I know you do many workshops. You have multiple books coming out. You have multiple courses as well. So I definitely want my listeners to know that I highly endorse Aura. And I would love for you to go to her website, check out all the things that she's doing, work with her, and you will be inspired just as I have been. Aura Nadrich, thank you so much for being a fantastic guest on my show today. I truly appreciate all your expertise. Thank you so much, James, for having me. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.